Hello everyone, welcome to episode 17 of the Sunday Vibe Reset. Hi Alex, what's up? What have people been doing? I've been having a pretty calm day today, you know, getting over the large celebrations that happened yesterday. Do, do you care to remind us all what happened yesterday? Yes, so I'm sure you're wondering what, what happened yesterday it was so exciting. And I'll tell you, it was International Polar Bear Day. So I've been learning, I've been learning all about the polar bears and I'd love to share a bit of that knowledge with you today. How wholesome. That's very kind of you. So, you know, it's not every day that you have an excuse to dedicate time to just learning about polar bears. But fortunately, International Polar Bear Day is the day for that. I learned, first of all, there's actually up to 31,000 polar bears, which is way more than I was expecting. Definitely. And, you know, there's sort of the basic facts, there's the Barspar facts, like polar bears aren't really white. We all sort of knew that one deep down inside. But I didn't really appreciate these animals' swimming ability. Uh, one polar bear went 100 kilometres in 1988 without stopping, just swimming, uh, which is, you know, certainly more than I could do for one. Well, in the words of a great philosopher, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Indeed, especially if the polar bear is chasing you because they can go about 10 kilometres, which is pretty nippy for, you know, quite a fat animal. That's quite turbo. Yeah, and on land, they can do about uh, 25 miles an hour, which, you know, breaks some speed limits and they're just a bear. Are they, are they faster than a hippopotamus then? Well, <laughs> that's excellent question. That's exactly the sort of thing we like. The hippo, from a bit of research here, could go faster on land, but slow in the water. Uh, we should really start like an animal top trumps with this, couldn't we? <laughs> really good. Yeah, but the cutest thing that I learned about polar bears on this bizarre little research trip I've done is that a baby polar bear weighs less than a baby human, and yet an adult polar bear weighs over a ton. Uh, so a, a polar bear cub is about 700 grams, which is just pathetically small. Um, but apparently the mother can keep the cub 21 degrees warmer than whatever's outside, which you can see being quite useful if it's nice. minus 50 or whatever. Well, you know, I think that, you know, that mass gain is, uh, is pretty much what is to be expected once the gyms reopen in England. <laughs> we can all dream, can't we? <laughs> and on that note, I think I'd like to discuss our first winner of the week. Hmm. And the winner this week is Wild Elephants, who have come in, uh, who have come in with the big win of having 30,000 images taken of them but not for sort of, you know, self-promotion for the gram. This is thermal imaging of elephants, which apparently warns villagers that an elephant's approaching, so they're less likely to go out and shoot it. Which, you know, win for the villager, win for the elephant. Quite excellent for them. Like, that's, it's always nice to hear that wild animals are not getting killed. You know, it's hard to come up with a win for something that's bigger than an elephant. But my second win of the week is for all UK cities, which are apparently going to get a blossom tree, or at least a set of blossom trees, planted in them by the National Trust. 
a new scheme to sort of bring in a bit of nature to cities and blossom trees mark the start of spring when they release their blossom uh, and it's, I think it's a lovely little initiative. That's so cool, it's so cool that people are doing that. Yeah I don't know where they're gonna put the one in Bath though. Can't imagine p- too many people being too excited about uh, planting a load of blossom trees outside the baths. Well, you know, I'm sure they'll find they'll find a place. Where, where would you put it? That's quite a question, actually, because you want to put it somewhere where you know that no drunk student will go throw up on. I think I'd put it uh, in the like on that road that's sort of below the crescent, like at the bottom of that part. Ah, yes, yes. Yes, actually, that would be that would be quite lovely. Yes, another cool initiative that I think you'll enjoy is that there is a river in New Zealand who has the same legal rights as a person, which means that it can sue people against any abuse such as pollution or illegal activity, and it can also own property and enter contracts like any person. I'm. Very confused. I I didn't really claim to understand how the law worked before, but um, this this both feels quite sort of bizarre and New Zealand. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> it's sort of the thing that you don't really expect to happen anywhere else. But you know, I like the idea of a river being able to stick up for itself in court. I like the idea of a river sitting in the courtroom. Make for a good drama. Exactly. It has been recognised in 2017 following one of New Zealand's longest running court cases that the Wanganui River was a legal person, especially given that the tribes surrounding it have relied on it for much of their food, travelled it by canoe and built villages on its banks. Would you recognise the Avon as a legal person if that was up to you? I do hope they're not going to do this to all rivers though. I, I don't want to see what sort of personalities come out in certain ones. I can imagine the Seven would be very angry. Another cool thing that people have been doing is the creation of this company called the Soap Bottle, which is developing bottles of soap, but the bottle, so it contains liquid soap, so quite a classic so far, but the bottle itself is made of solid soap, which means that once you're done with the liquid soap, guess what? More soap and um, no trash. I already back this. You should always wrap your soap in soap. I saw a good uh, a good idea this week that someone said they should wrap like McDonald's in a sort of edible packaging, which, you know, more food. I'm not complaining. That sounds excellent. But yeah, keep your soap in soap. Very clever. Very clever. And in a similar vein, uh, while we talk of these like sustainable alternatives, Oh, it's been a pretty big week for Oatly, who are planning to go on the stock market and valued at 10 billion, which is a lot of money for not quite milk. Just because, yeah, nice to have a little alternative there. Yeah, it's always nice to have alternatives. Get for them. Um, now, kind of a record. I'm not sure if it's actually a record, but it's definitely a number that is worth mentioning. Uh, in Australia, they found back a sheep that had been lost for years. It's called Barak. And it had over 35 kilos of wool on its back. This is an absolute hero of a sheep. Imagine. I mean, it looks like such a sort of a druid coming out. It's amazing. Probably, yes. <laughs> and like the soap, it's wrapped in sheep, isn't it? <laughs> wrapped in sheep. 
I mean, we've all been waiting a long time for a haircut, haven't we? But maybe not quite as long as that sheep. <laughs> Absolutely been there. Talking about haircuts, um, Jack Jenkins from Norfolk in England wrote to the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, inviting him to be a hair model as he has struggled to practice during lockdown. So that's it. someone who's studying to become a hairdresser. And he looked at Boris Johnson's TV speeches and went, you know what that man needs? A good haircut. I'll write to him. And the thing is, um, the PM secretary actually wrote back to him saying that uh, the prime minister did really appreciate his efforts, uh, his offer, and that he was sure that once the restrictions will be lifted, he will have no shortage of models to practice on. Oh, but I feel Boris has been practicing not getting a haircut for many, many years now. So, you know, maybe he's just not key. Maybe he's got a bit of a phobia. <laughs> but now just got a bit of time for, I'd say, the big loser of the week because we've had a lot of winners. And, you know, it's a biggie this week. Our big loser is the coronavirus. So that's that's something that we love to hear and that we've been waiting to hear to hear for about a year. Yeah, what are we on? This is the 17th episode now, and our loser hasn't been Corona up until this point. So this is quite a, quite a big moment. We've all known it's coming, and the reason is the Yangshi Beehive Fireworks Festival, which is quite the title, to be fair. Beehives, fireworks. I don't know why they're together. They don't seem like a very sensible mix of things. We've, but, you know, we've all had dodgy cocktails in our lives. And this festival um, was originally cancelled uh, due to a COVID outbreak in Taiwan, which, you know, a bit sad. But then some genius who works in the town realised that the festival had to go ahead because it's been going for over a century and a half. And its entire point is to ward off plagues. So they've solved it. Beehive and Firework Festival, no more Corona. So easy. There is a future. That's brilliant. Do you think you could argue that uh, Glastonbury Festival is actually, you know, taking part in healing plagues as well? I'd say it's a, it is pretty healing place, but, you know, maybe if they invested more in bees and fireworks and a bit less in Taylor Swift to be going ahead this year. <laughs> we, we, we're really hoping right now that they're listening to this URB podcast and taking notes on our good advisors on how to go ahead. I'd imagine they are. I can't think they're, they're not doing anything else, are they? Exactly. What better, what better thing did they have to do? But now on people oh. who have had better ideas this year, so a scheme has been launched in Seville, in Spain, to use the methane produced as the fruit ferments to generate clean electricity. So their plan is, we'll take all of the unwanted oranges in the city, which represents about 35 tonnes, to generate clean energy by running one of the city's water purification plants. So they let the oranges ferment, the methane will be captured to be used to drive a generator. And trials have shown that 200 kilos of that fruit could provide electricity for one home for a day. And if all the city's oranges were recycled and the energy was put back into the grid, 37,000 homes could be powered. 
So you're telling me that we don't need to put solar panels on our houses anymore, but we just need to have some like alcoholic oranges, what, 200 kilos per home? You could eat that. That like a family could get through 200 oranges if you tried. A day? Yeah, yeah. Go on, believe in yourself. We've all got to make sacrifices. Difficult times. You know what? I think that means that maybe VKs with all the orange VKs they're producing might just save the country. I can't assume there's much orange juice in them. I mean, orange VKs have powered student homes for a long time, so I can't see why they can't be, you know, applied across the board. So the person of the week, I know we've all been waiting for it. This time, it's a French nun. She just celebrated her 117th birthday with French wine, obviously. And she has survived the 1918 flu pandemic, both world wars and catching coronavirus. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's, that's quite the uh, quite a list. She, um, I like how this is almost like a participation trophy. Sort of previous weeks, the awesome person of the week has done something you know, remarkable. <laughs> and I really don't want to take a single thing away from this woman because, you know, hats off to her. But in a way, she's just been here for all of the events, which, you know, it, it's nice. I back that we've done that. So do you mean that she's kind of like your plant? No one has actively killed her. Yeah, she sort of just made it. Just no, no problems. Sometimes consistency is key. In other good news, so earlier we were talking about elephants and how they have been less and less poached. Um, well, in 2020, no rhino has been killed in Kenya, which had not happened since 1999. Ah, there you go. So I'd like to claim rhinos as perhaps the big winner of the year, in a way. If we'd have done a proper award ceremony... Uh, yeah, maybe rhinos would come out on top. Good for rhinos. And uh, final good news, and I think that's quite a good note to end this on. Um, in Copenhagen, they're going to open uh, the first museum in the world dedicated to happiness. Oh, well, that can be our, uh, our first workouting with the Sunday Vibri set. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little trip. That's brilliant. So now when we all go to Copenhagen on our, you know, extensive interrail after lockdown, we've got, you know, bonus bit of happiness. What are they going to put in there? Like, acid? <laughs> um, I'm unsure, actually. All I can tell you is that it has been set up in cooperation with the Copenhagen Happiness Research Institute. So I don't know, maybe it will be tips to make you more happy or... I'm not sure yet. I, I really think we should go and figure it out. Yeah, maybe may, maybe we could claim this on expenses. This is a research trip after all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or, like it's a museum, maybe it'll be happy people from the past. It'll just be like a load of photos. Could go anyway. I'm quite excited. I'm a bit intrigued by this. It'd be nice, uh, it'd be nice if we could do a Sunday vibe reset from the Happiness Museum. Think, think of the vibe that must be in that place. Be incredible. That would be amazing. Even more amazing than what we're currently doing. Yeah, I know. It's hard to imagine. Hard to imagine, isn't it? So I don't know. Maybe 
maybe that's it for this week. Tune in next week when perhaps we'll be in Copenhagen. Fingers crossed. We'll let you know. This has been episode 17 of the Sunday Vibe Reset. And uh, you'll hear back from us next week from maybe Copenhagen. Who knows? <laughs>